and welcome to Live from Bar Save, an Earth Dawn fan-created podcast where we talk about the Earth Dawn source material and interview people in the Earth Dawn world. I'm Rachel. Uh, you mean people in the Earth Dawn world, like like uh, Omasu and hey, I saw I said his name right that time. Um, and Torgak. Who else should we? We'll get Torgak. We're gonna get King Varulus because he's still alive in our version of Earth Dawn. Okay, I'm Rachel. All right, we'll try it again. I'm Chad. And thanks for joining us. Just a quick bookkeeping note. Uh, Earthdawn is a registered trademark of FASA Corporation. Any use of FASA Corporation's trademarks or copyrighted material is not intended as a challenge to those trademarks or copyrights. This is a fan work, and unless explicitly noted, material it contains is not approved or endorsed by FASA Corp. Um, another quick note, I don't have my voice yet back, but I am on some pretty heavy-duty cough syrup that's a technically a controlled substance. I know, so, I had to submit my driver's license when I went to pick it up. I know, so I am, uh, I, I don't drink at all, so like it's affecting me in awesome ways. We're going to have, and we're recording two episodes tonight, so it's going to be two episodes of me pretty much being wasted. So let's do this. Okay, I'm really not sure I signed up for this, but... Okay. I'm, I'm probably not going to act any different. It's just sort of what I normally do anyway. Well, it's tonight, how I normally sound. I'm going to have to move you along here. Tonight, <laughs> we are continuing our series on the Serpent River. More specifically, uh, talking about the Midreach, the Northreach, um, and... Oh, I'm I'm sorry. My notes are a little confusing on that. Midreach is this episode. It's going to probably run a little long. Um, so what we did was Midreach is split in two pieces. The next episode will be Midreach uh, continued, and then Northreach. The gotcha. Northern Reach in the book is actually only about three pages, but Midreach is a much longer section. So our episodes will kind of reflect that. So, and there's a special sale going on right now at FastaGames.com. Uh, yes, it is. I I didn't see anywhere on there that said when it starts and ends, so I don't know. Um, at the time of recording this, it's still happening. Um, I know, and I don't know if it's on every edition, but I was pulling up a link for a first, the first edition Serpent River book, which is the book we're talking about, and I noticed that every single PDF of every first edition book is forty percent off. That's a huge discount. Yeah, so most of the books are like ten or twelve bucks. Uh, some are a little more, some are a little less, but just an awesome value if you want to round out your collection a little more and just to mention even if you're playing fourth edition rules or any of the other editions first edition source material a little bit of tweaking may be necessary here and there but for the most part you can grab the older books and they work just fine um so definitely check that out Uh, i don't know maybe i don't know if any of the newer stuff's on sale but definitely first edition across the board 40% off. We also want to let everybody know that there will be a spoiler alert later in the episode. So I haven't decided if I'm going to leave the room or not. Oh, you're going to listen to the podcast anyway. Um, This was actually a suggestion and I I should have got the name ahead of time. I don't remember who it was, but um, one or two people on the FASA games forum mentioned that it was annoying that we kept saying everything. Well, we can't tell you this because that's a spoiler. We can't tell you that. So what we've decided to do is we're lumping toward the end if there are any spoilers. And if you don't want to have some major things ruined for you, you know that you can quit the episode and, and not uh, not have to worry about that. 
Um, we're also trying to do a little recap of what we didn't cover in the episode so that we're not constantly throwing that out in the middle. Um, I thought those were some good suggestions. So, Well, tell us a little bit about the geography of the Midreach. Well, the Midreach, um, the northern boundary is at a place called Care Eidolon. We'll be talking about that some more in this episode. Um, that is just south of the Bloodwood. So that would be the dividing line between the North Reach and the Midreach. So anything downstream of there is the Midreach. Those elves of the Bloodwood, they're, they're pretty grisly. Uh, yeah, they're pretty grisly. Yeah. And we'll be talking about the grisly elves um, probably maybe two months from the now. The grisly elves. The grisly elves. <laughs> hey, you started that. It wasn't me. Um, we'll be talking about them coming up. I, our next series is going to be on par length. We have one more episode after this one on Serpent River, then par length. And I am right now studying up on my blood, uh, blood elf lore. So uh, Bloodwood's coming up fairly soon. But we also have some interviews that will be interspersed within those episodes. We don't know the exact order, but we've got a couple of really special guests that are going to be on the right. show. I had two interviews lined up. I was excited about both of them. And that was right when I got sick and I had to cancel both. Um, we have Lou Prosperi, who is one of the original first edition developers, one of the main developers. Um, and he right now, he, he wrote a book and he's working on a follow-up. It's called The Imagineering Pyramid. It's about taking some of the principles that uh, were used in designing the Disney theme parks and sort of boiling those down into how you can use those same ideas in your other projects. And also, obviously, we're going to be talking to him about some uh, some Earth Dawn uh, you know, behind the scenes development things. That'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. And our other one is Mr. Johnson from the Arcology podcast. It's a Shadowrun podcast, which uh, many of you probably know there's some tie in between Shadowrun and Earth Dawn. And uh, so we actually guested on his show about what a month, month and a half ago, maybe somewhere around there. And um, so we want to have him on to, uh, to talk about, talk about uh, Shadowrun. So that was a very loud, very long scream from a child. That should pretend, be sleeping right now. I'm going to pretend that was from a neighbor's kid and we'll just move on. <laughs> so I'm sorry. We got a little out of order there. We were in the geography. Let's go back to the geography. Okay. So it, it, uh, it starts up uh, just, uh, just south of the Bloodwood. And it's a place called Care Eidolon. Now, from there, the river is going mostly east-west. So flowing eastward is downstream. It, it, I'm sorry, it's flowing toward the east. Um, and from there it goes, it goes between the Scythia Mountains and the Kalkavik Mountains and uh, also goes by the Thrall Mountains. And at that point it kind of makes a, a sharp, fairly sharp right turn. Um, now this, this area, the high, Mountain Highlands area there, it was one of the most beautiful parts of pre-scourge bar save and the wealthy Therans, because as you know, bar save was originally a Theron province. The wealthy Therans used this sort of like for vacation homes and they made these uh, big sprawling estates. And um, a lot of those estates are still there, but in ruins. So that's kind of a cool area if you want to do, do some games and some very, you know, heavy wilderness areas but that sort of have a call back to what bar save was before the scourge. Um, so that's kind of a cool area and that's right along the serpent river. Um, now the, um, uh, from there it turns South and, uh, the right, 
uh, right around the Kalkavik Mountains, at the south, southern point of the Kalkavik Mountains. I'm sorry, I'm a little out of it today. I'm, I'm doing my best here. There is uh, what's called the Cliff, uh, Cliff City of Lalai Gorge. Now, this is the home base of House Sirtis of the Tuscrang, and that's the main house that we'll be talking about in this episode. That's just an amazing city, and probably half this episode will be on that. Um, now, from there, it continues south, and uh, there, from there on, there are mostly like independent agricultural communities that are uh, a lot of Tuscrang, but you also have some dwarves and a lot of different races in there, and... Um, there's also a other notable thing here, a Tuscrang village um, called, Den- and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, Deniklin, that's D-E-N-I-K-L-Y-A-N, Deniklin, um, is known for its boatyards. So that's an area where they can uh, repair repair ships. If you're playing a game heavily based on the Serpent River, you're almost definitely going to have some ship con- um, combat. So one of the things that will come up is where can you go to get get your ships repaired, and that would be one area. That that city is kind of sort of between the mid reach, and uh, if the if you follow the river a um, little farther south from there, you'll be into Lake Ban, which is the sort of the dividing point for the south reach. So that's um, and that's what we had talked about previously. So that kind of gives you an idea of the of the layout. If you look in the back of the Serpent River book, they've got a good map that has a lot of the same detail on there. But really, any map of Bar Save uh, is pretty close to the map that you see in the book because the Serpent River winds its way around the entire province, really. So you could kind of grab any any book that's got a map of Bar Save in it, and uh, and it's there. It, it's got the same information. Sure. There. Um, so House Sirtis is what we're going to be talking about mostly. And, you know, I get that. I got when I first heard the name House Sirtis, I confused that with the city over in the Sky Point area called Sindernis. Is a Theron uh, city. I, you know what? I'm impressed because when you started saying Sky Point, I couldn't remember any tie-in at all. And I had completely forgotten about that city. Yeah. So when you first said it, I was like, Sindernis. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, like a steel trap. I honestly don't even remember anything that happened in Sindarinus. I vaguely remember that that exists. Well, there, it was a Theron city. Tell us about Sindarinus. Okay, Sindarinus. It's in the um, first edition area of Vivon, and it was a Theron city, and they kind of hired people for companionship. I do not remember that. <laughs> yeah. So there was some reason that we had to go there to see a certain person and we had to influence them to give us something that we wanted with keeping our integrity in full. You know what's really strange? I'm thinking back to our college game. I remember a lot of funny, great moments. I don't remember much about our actual plots that we did. I remember playing Shattered Pattern. Well, I remember that very well. Sidernus was this. our college game. No, I know. I'm saying I don't remember that. <laughs> I do not remember that game. It was a great game. It sounds interesting. Yeah, we got, we earned a lot of money on that trip. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave that alone. I don't want to know how you earned money there. I said our integrity intact. <laughs> our integrity intact. But anyway, House Sirtis. I'm I'm very impressed. I don't remember any of I that. Just she might leveled be, up on my nerd cred. She might be making that crap up. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't. I'll have to look it up. I don't know if it's true. All right. So House Sirtis. This is, out of all the Tuscrang houses, 
This is the most ancient one. And actually, not just the Tuscany houses. This is one of the most ancient institutions anywhere in Barsave, second only to the elves um, of of what became Bloodwood, originally Wormwood. Um, uh, now, the one main thing about House Sirtis, they're very divided. They uh, they have and they've always been this way, going way way back. The the Nials, which uh, Rachel, what's uh, we were talking about this before the. Sure, a a Neal is like the extended family of the Tuscrangs, you know, cousins, second cousins, third cousins, that that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's a, you know, 40 to 60 Tuscrangs. Yep. And the word actually means foundation. So basically what it is, the Neals kind of group together into larger structures. Now, Neal might be like one village or maybe a couple of closely related villages. They kind of like build up into larger structures and uh, you know, then those sort of clump together. And at the top level, you have what's called an Arapagoy, which is a major, major house, like House Sirtis is mm-hmm. an Arapagoy. So anyway, the the Neals of House Sirtis, they have always been kind of at each other's throats. Um, they have these different villages that are basically vassal villages for the different Neals. Um, so they would pay tributes to the individual Neals. Um, but the, each Neal kind of goes back and forth and they try to steal them off of each other. And um, so the, the pro- it's become a real problem for them because there's no, really no kind of unity. And the one major component of Sirtis is that they are fading. They are a, a house in decline. And we'll see some examples of that as we go on. But that's this is a lot of the, there are a few other reasons, but the main reason is that they just don't, they don't have any kind of uh, cohesion to them. That's kind of sad because all of the other areas are, you know, they seem like they're booming or they're overfull, but this one is, you know, different. Right. And one of the things that they actually do now, we talked about the free trade compact a mm-hmm. little bit before this was a, an agreement that Thrall uh, brokered with all the different uh, to scrang trading houses, the, the Arapagoy they worked out this agreement to cut down on piracy on the river because it was just bad all around. It hurt economic prosperity and it also just made it more dangerous to travel. Well, what's kind of funny about it, how Sirtis respects the free trade compact, but not with each other. They won't enact the Bekshevas, which is the practice of basically a little more civilized form of piracy. They won't enact that. To outsiders, but they will among each other. So they will they will raid each other in their own Arapagoy. In their own Arapagoy. Now, not outside. They're nice to their neighbors. Okay. But to each other, they'll they'll raid each other. And <laughs> it's like you know you can pick on I can pick on my brother, but you're not allowed to. Right. And in addition to just this sort of fuels this feud that they've had going internally. There's also some economic benefit because what they do is I will raid you. And take your money, and I will use that to pay my dues to House Sirtis, the main, uh, <laughs> the main. Um, I'm, their house. Their, yeah, Neal. Yeah. I'm sorry, the the word just left my head. <laughs> the main Neal of House Sirtis, they have to pay each each of the smaller Neals has to pay them dues, so they will raid each other, take the money, and use that money to use their neighbor's money to pay their dues. <laughs> That's interesting. I think this. That would be if you want to play a character that's a Tuscrang and is kind of like 
a little shifty on the shifty side. Need Not, to be in-house theatrists. That that would be kind of a way to to do that. That's one of the things I really want to get through in these episodes. Now, if you're playing a game in these areas, it's great. You have all this info. But if not, you know, even the GM could take some of this and work it in as a backstory on an NPC. Sure. And that would uh, actually, Earthdown calls them game master characters. So, all right. GMCs or something. Um, but it, it's a way that you can take these little bits and pieces and work them in, even if you're not directly using it, and it gives some more cohesion to the entire, you know, the entire flow of the game. Well, just you know, listening to the podcast and getting all of this background information is a good way to say let's let's create a new character. Then you've got all of these different options. You know, you we you know we've talked about the Highland Trolls, we've talked about the Tuscrang and and all of the different areas along the Serpent River. So it, it really gives you a flavor of the rich history and the motivations that the characters might have from if they're from certain areas. Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now as we were saying that the uh Sirtis was in decline even before the scourge um, now, uh, one of the ways that, um, uh, one of the things that led to that was during the Theron war the, now this would be the, uh, Serpent the River book just calls yeah. it the Theron war. But as you know, later in the earth on timeline, there was another Theron war. So if we ever say Theron war, this show is almost entirely about first edition material for now. We'll, we'll be progressing through it, but we're talking about the first Theron war. During the first Theron War, some of these Neals actually sided with Thera. Not that they necessarily agreed with Thera's view on things, but they just saw it as an opportunity to gain the upper hand against some of the competing Neals. Well, I thought they remained neutral. Well, Sirtis as a whole did. Oh, okay. The, um, well, like I was saying, within Sirtis, the individual families aren't all that cohesive right so they're right they're kind of uh some of them said hey this will if i partner up with thera then that'll give me the upper hand against some of the other competing families and uh so as a whole as a whole Sirtis remained neutral but that was another sticking point because thrall directly asked them for help during the war and the official position was we're staying out of it so thrall took that as an affront um, you know, it's occurring to me, we kind of assume that everyone listening is already into Earthdawn to a fair amount. We should probably back up at times and explain some of the more basic things. Thrall is, uh, without going into a ton of detail, Thrall, Rachel, tell us a little bit about Thrall well, and their the, overall place in Barsay. Sure. It's um, the dwarven city of Thrall, and it was inside a mountain, and that was their care. So they have this gigantic city that they've carved into the mountain and then outside is that barter town yeah okay and then outside of it is barter town and they have the great library which has a wonderful vast compendium of knowledge and magic um research right and, and they're thro- actually the authors in the earth on world of the source books a lot of them yes yeah. a lot of them come from the the great library and right. are written from the perspective and of the characters. And they're in the north of Barsave, is um, that correct? Toward the northeast. The northeast, yeah. yeah. They're, they're around the, the Thrall Mountains, obviously. Yeah. And not super far from uh, the where the Serpent River comes along the north. Right, 
Right now, also the important thing about Thrall, they are the um, they're the dwarf dwarf run capital, and they are the. It's not exactly. It's not like a federal government where everyone's under their influence. It's more like. It's more like they they try to exert their influence and try to push people more toward their way of thinking, but individual cities are, are more or less autonomous. But it's the closest thing you have to like a capital city. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly that. But and it's, it's overall a peaceful city, and they're very open and welcoming. Anyone can become a citizen of Thrall, and they're very proud of themselves. Yep. <laughs> we Like I said, we'll have a series on Thrall coming up, but... I'm going to try a little more to step back and define some of the more basic things that that we throw out and not assume that everyone has all the backing and everything. Um, so as we were saying, the the Neals that sided with Thera, some of them actually went so far as to even participate in slaving raids just to get on the good side of the Therans just because they thought it would give them the upper hand. And that, that also was, um, that also obviously rubbed Thrall the wrong way. Because they are very, very anti-slavery. It's one of the founding principles of, uh, of Thrall. Uh, not the founding of the city itself, but one of the, you know, one of the... Foundational uh, beliefs. Yeah, foundational beliefs. And during the scourge, they came up with the, um, called the Council Compact. This was a document that was written in Thrall that's pretty close to like a constitution. It lays out some basic rights. It lays out the Thrallic system of government, and they're trying to spread that throughout the province. And this was also another point where Sirtis's, um kind of the dysfunction of the House Sirtis itself really reared its head. After, shortly after the scourge, when a copy of this council compact came to House Sirtis, they started debating it. Well, it was a very, uh, very heated debate, very divisive. Some were for it, some were against it. But the Shivalahala, who is the, um, not so much a governmental leader, but more like a spiritual leader. Who's of, female. Uh, who's female. Um, uh, the spiritual leader of Halsiritis, she was more or less just not on the scene during this debate. She was very reclusive and did very little to try to, you know, bring people together. And that ended up being a, you know, being a problem. And we will get into in the spoiler section that's coming up. There's a reason behind the scenes of why that was happening. Um, we won't say a lot more about it now, but at the end of the episode, we'll bring that up. And just a quick note, the Tiskrangs are a matriarchal society. So all of the leaders are, you know, female, all the Shivalahalas. Yeah, that's right. They're, the Shivalahalas are all female. Uh, now, we'll be going into the, the history of Sirtis a little more in the next episode. We're kind of uh, having to cut some of that for time, but we will sort of tie some things together. Because the main thing, if you read the book, uh, the Serpent River book, the main thing you see about Sirtis is their conflict with House Ishkarat, which is the House of the Northern Reach. They're the warlike they're, tribe, Arapagoi. Right. right. They're, okay. they're very warlike. Um, and they're aligned with the city of Iopus, which are now that the Therans actually they sort of I think all along have been an, a uh, disruptive, pretty evil presence in Barsave, but they've been more behind the scenes. But now that the Therans have been ousted in the fourth edition timeline, they're kind of coming more to the forefront. 
Um, Ishkarat is aligned with them, and most it, probably two thirds of the next episode will be about that. Um, and it's a fun word to say, Ishkarat. Yes, it is. Now the um, so the history we'll get into that more next time because it sort of ties some of that ties the two together. Um, now this puts Barsaven in an interesting situation because uh, House Sirtis is the main. Their main goal is to stop Ishkarat. They want to push farther down the river, take over more control, take over more territory. Sirtis wants to stop them, but because of all their infighting and because they've been in decline for so long, they're a pretty they're pretty weak. So that puts and that even puts Thrall in jeopardy and the entire Serpent River, and, and that tension between the two is is a real. Uh, Real kind of hotbed for a lot of lot of interesting games that you could spin off, and um, we'll be getting into that a lot more next time. But now I want to talk a little bit about the city of Lalage. Uh, sorry, Lalai Gorge. Uh, I think this is one of the most interesting places in the entire book, and it's some of the coolest artwork. The book has, I think this book as a whole has some of the best artwork in the whole series. It's beautiful. And that's one of the, uh, that drawing, that painting of the uh, the Cliff City is one of the ones that really pops when you look at it. Yeah, and it's got all of these different levels. It's got, what, six or seven different levels yeah, of the city. Seven. And um, they're like right out on ledges. And it, you know, I, I get scared of heights just looking at the photo. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't believe that's an actual photo. Right, I, of, the, they, of the painting. They didn't have Excuse cameras me. back then. Right. Um, but the- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't feel bad when they made Forrest Gump. They were they had some old newscaster say something about a video, and they didn't have video back then. Okay. So it, this is about... The about technical director level. lost it on that one. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll fire ours. Um, <laughs> so there, there's lots of narrow staircases and intersections from sides and above and below kind of like the you know the mcesher painting is kind of what i have in my mind of like the opposing staircases i I didn't tell you that but that's actually kind of what i was thinking too and obviously not turned on its side but right that same kind of feel a little bit of harry potter staircases moving but (laughs) anyway one of the things visitors to the city they really have to get used to you know, normally you come to an intersection, you look left and right to make sure you're not bumping into someone. You have to look up and down also because people are constantly going up and down levels, but they don't always follow. Uh, they don't always follow the staircases. They have another way of getting around. It's a very scrang way of getting it, around. It is. It is. Um, well, the scrangs, as you might know, they have a fear of heights. So they like conquering things. And they, they from a young age, they're swinging on ropes on the riverboats. So they use these ropes to get around the city. And that's one of the ways that they try to conquer their fear of heights. Right. Like going up and down levels mm-hmm. that way. Uh, you know, there's actually a scene in The Longing Ring, which is the very first Earthon novel. I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm maybe probably two-thirds of the way through it. There's a scene where they're um, on a Tuscrang riverboat, and they're they're swinging out over the water and everything. That scene really gives you a feel for the just how to play these characters. So I, I definitely recommend that book. Um, that's on fast games also. That's you can buy the PDF. And, and there's a bunch of levitating platforms in the city as well. Right. Uh, the levitating platforms are basically, it's based on elemental magic. Um, it's more or less just a way of 
moving up, moving uh, things up and down. Didn't they have something like that in Skypoint? Yes, there's some major. There are these major elevators in Skypoint uh, that were these uh, levitating. Uh, basically, the same kind of idea. It was an elemental, uh, elemental magic based elevator. So, um, in the city, um, the lower levels, I would guess, are for um, more common people and the higher levels, the higher rent district is, is my guess. Yep, that's correct. The As you go farther up, it's it's the more prestigious area. Um, we'll be talking about the, the book goes into a lot of detail about every single level. There's several pages on the Cliff City. So if um, we're going to cover a lot of it, but there's a ton more detail there. If you like this, definitely get the book and check it out. Um, you could play, I could see playing multiple games there. Um, our campaign's on the way there. And I think I'm going to take some of this info and use it to just let you guys play around in the city. I've got a little bit planned, but it would be a great place you could improv to. Well, you might experience vertigo in the Cliff City, but one thing I don't think you will experience is claustrophobia because the city is a little bit on the empty side. It's a lot on the empty side. It's actually, in a lot of ways, the the opposite of Vistramon and Europa, which are... The floating city of Vistramon and the city of Europa we talked about in the last episode. Those cities are constrained by their physical size. If they had more physical space, they would be much bigger populations. They might even be double the size. Uh, this is the opposite. You could easily fit a lot more people in the Cliff City, but because of the uh, declining fortunes of House Sirtis, it's really it's getting a lot more sparsely populated. You would think they would stop fighting with each other. Uh, no, I wouldn't think that at all. <laughs> this is this is human nature, and I believe it's descrying nature also. That's true. I think anyone getting along in any of these places in Barsave is probably the exception. One really um, interesting thing that I saw um, about the Cliff City is that whispers seem to be louder. Right, um, all the, the all the echoes it carries right. farther, and that reminds me of the Capitol Building in Washington D.C., the Whispering Hall. Um, if anyone's ever been to Washington D.C., there's a spot where, when you go on the tour, they take you and they have one of they took one of our tour people. You know, I went there and for a, a band trip. What it actually reminded me of a very famous castle from my hometown. It's not all that famous. Alliance, Ohio. Very famous. It's very I mean, famous. I think the Capitol building is more well-known than a stinking castle. Uh, not not an alliance. In Alliance, Ohio, we have a castle that actually came, I don't know, from somewhere you know across the alliance ocean. Alliance is the human nowadays equivalent of Thrill. You're just so stinking proud of it. You have to talk <laughs> about it and tell me all of the firsts about Alliance. But anyway, back to something that people have actually heard of. The Capitol building in Washington, D.C. has this whispering hall and they'll take one person from your tour group and put them on this end and the other one on this end and they'll whisper and you can actually hear it because of the acoustics. It's pretty cool. When I took a tour of the castle in Alliance, Ohio, they said that they have one of those too, but we can never find it. They're like out there in the courtyard somewhere. There's an an X on a stone, and if you stand there, you can hear the whisper. I can never find it, but it's there. I guarantee you. It's Along there. with the first stoplight in the United States was in Alliance. <laughs> I think oh. it was in Ohio. I don't think oh, it was Alliance. Okay. Well. Anyway, can we move on to something people have actually heard of? Uh, sure. 
all right, it's, I told you, I'm not feeling well and I'm on this weird cough syrup stuff and I'm tired. It's your job to, we said we weren't going to, we said we weren't going to record when we were this tired anymore. I think we lied. <laughs> Let's talk about the great cavern. The great cavern. This is when you first go in, uh, the cliff city is right on the river, like literally just on the river. The great cavern is actually a cave that's flooded. So you can take a boat right into it. It's flooded to a depth of 80 feet. And uh, one of the first things that you see when you go in, uh, now you see this majestic, uh, majestic looking city that's carved into the cliff. But as soon as you go in, the first thing you see are these really rough looking wooden shanty type buildings. Uh, there's like this almost a little reminds me a little bit of bars of a uh, barter town outside of Thrall. It's sort of a uh, it's just this these little shacks that sprung up as these little makeshift like makeshift, makeshift marketplace marketplaces mm-hmm. um, that are you know serve a practical purpose, but it looks really bad. And the city's actually kind of taking some effort to try to get them torn down and try to get them replaced. And I bet you can't buy, buy a hairbrush there either. Uh, probably not. <laughs> um, now some there's a claim that uh, some of these caverns, there are these underwater caverns in this flooded area. There's a claim that some of these actually connect all the way to Thrall. There's been some efforts to try to find an underwater route into Thrall. And uh, some people claim that it's there. There hasn't been any conclusive proof that you can swim underwater to Thrall. Um, That would be an excellent, excellent campaign. Well, uh, according to this book, there's no conclusive proof but a book that came later in the series, the Thrill book, has some more info on this. And they're actually, most of the detail on this is in the Thrill book, so that'll be in the upcoming one. But there's a community of Tuscrang that live underneath the Thrill Mountains along this river called the Pale Ones. They are uh, they're pale-colored uh, skin because they, they don't live outside in the sunlight, and they have their own society underneath Thrill. And some really, really interesting stuff there. So definitely, you could use this aspect to tie it in. But even if you're not going that far with it, you have a series of caverns underneath um, underneath that are flooded. And the uh, Tuscrang of House Sirtis, they actually grow underwater crops there and uh, grow some food for the city. So it's an area, if you have some Tuscrang in your group and they just want to kind of go explore, you could work that in all sorts of different ways. It would also be an interesting place to have some, this whole city will be a great place to have some clandestine meetings. If you have any kind of secretive, anything that you want to have happen, there are several other places in the city, but these underwater caverns would be one place to be able to do. Well, that. it sounds like that you could have a clandestine meeting anywhere because the city is pretty much, you know, a ghost town. Well, that's true. On the one hand, there aren't as many people around, but as the book mentions about the whispers carrying, Oh, one thing you can do with that. First of all, your characters could have something that they think is secret and then they find out wasn't. Which could be, you could use as a major plot point, or it could be just a funny thing. It could be an embarrassing thing, or you can flip that around. And now the characters overhear some plot or, or something that they weren't supposed to hear. So that's interesting. So in a way it would be a good spot for that. In another way, you'd have to be extra careful about that. Now there's a ship that is docked there. Um, it's, it's a famous ship, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's called the Sirtesian, Sirtesian Dreadnought. 
Now it's this, it's the largest riverboat ever made. It's uh, now there, there's more detail in the book about why, but basically what it came down to was it was this major feat of engineering, but it wasn't that maneuverable and it used a ridiculous amount of elemental fire, which is what they used to power the motors and also the fire cannons. So it was an amazing, amazing feat of engineering, but practically speaking it just wasn't a very good warship um but it's still docked outside right outside the the entranceway into the cliff city and it's an impressive site and it's it's uh it's one of these really cool things that sort of defines the city as you're going in so it'd be interesting to put that into a game if you got players going in i would make a point of of giving out some detail on that but it's probably not going to be a major factor or really a factor of any kind in any actual river battles. Um, what are some other areas of the city? Okay, now the next area, if you go up the next level, is called the hives. These are the residential apartments. Um, so this would be the working class area of the whole city. And the reason they call it the hives is because it's one of the few parts of the city that's very active, so it's like buzzing with activity. So it's uh, it's sort of compared to compared to the beehives. Um, so it's it's still, even though the city on the whole has declined and the house as a whole has declined, this is one of the few areas that's still, still got a fair amount of activity to it. Uh, now, if you go up one more level, there's what's called the hollow. Now, this is the official marketplace. The one that you first go in is sort of like an unofficial thrown together one. But these are the official areas for the marketplace. So when you go in the first, um, the first level is kind of at sea level. Then the next one is, this would be two levels is the hives. Yeah. And then the hollow that sits 500 feet high. Right. And you're only at that point, you're only at, uh, I believe, the third level. Wow. So this entire thing is like a couple thousand feet in the air this is a very very large cliff got to be some high ceilings in those apartments oh yeah this whole no seriously that <laughs> the actual rooms would have very high vaulted ceilings uh, now the the hollow is mainly uh, it's separated into these different stalls you know with each each stall being a different store this is basically the neals each of the neals which are the houses that kind of make up the larger house ha- owns these stalls but they a lot of times will lease them out on short-term basis to different traveling merchants and things. Uh, so you can find a pretty good mix of different items from all over Bar Save, not to the extent that you would like in Bartertown uh, or in Thrill itself, but uh, you know, comparatively to a lot of other places, this is a good place if you're looking for specialty items that aren't widely available all over the place. But there's a lot of vacancy there. It's like a, a mall that's on its way out. <laughs> yes, it definitely would be. Um, now, the next one up from that are the Trade Covenant Quarters. Uh, now, these are mostly empty. The Trade Covenants were sort of like industries that are um, almost like a guild, different, you know, different workers of a particular industry that are working together. A lot of these used to be based in the Cliff City, but over time they've been leaving. Um, they uh, basically they see the city as uh, declining, so they're looking for opportunities elsewhere. And a lot of these have been moved out. Now there's one in particular that is still there. Um, it's the. Well, my notes say it's the right honorable toy makers. Yes. And there's a reason. 
why the toy makers stayed. They wanted to leave too, but the Shivalahala, um, the Shivalahala was actually a very young child, which was oh. unheard of, because as you know, to Scrangs at a young age, they don't know if they're they girl don't know which sex they boy, are, right? Which raised some major questions. What if this child turned out to be a male? The Shivalahala has always been female. Well, anyway, you have a child who's the the leader. So having the toy makers stay there uh, was a good move. So that's one of the reasons that they still have a heavy presence there. Um, now, if you go up even more, the Crew Covenant quarters, the uh, officially the this this is the quarters for uh, the sailing crew, most of which are assigned to the Dreadnought, the large ship that's just kind of sitting there. It technically has a hundred sailors assigned to it, but it's not really in use anymore. So they didn't really have anything to do, so they more or less became the police force of the city. But they are not exactly a normal police force. They're more or less autonomous. They don't have a lot of people looking over their shoulder. Some of them are more or less upright and okay. Other ones have really used that to their advantage and become very corrupt. So again, if you're looking to play a game that's centered around a lot of a lot of intrigue and backstabbing kind of things. This would definitely be a source of that. You could, you or could a character use that. from Sirtis could have a distrust of authority just by virtue of living there. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, now the uh, the final one, the final level, the upper levels are actually the Shivalhala's quarters. The um, and a few other people too, the high chamber members. The high chamber is sort of like their, um, that's the actual body that would do the governing. Uh, Shivla Hall is more like the spiritual leader, but all of their quarters are in the upper level. Now, one of the things that leads to some tension here is obviously the, the rest of the city, certain parts of it have kind of fallen into disrepair and the, the lack, the reduced stature of how Sirtis is very obvious. But you go into this upper level and you see the Shivalhala's quarters, it's pretty obvious that there's a difference there in in the way the uh, the upper half is living. Not half, uh, but these are the one percenters of how Sirtis. Well, what's what's seven into a hundred? I am way beyond doing math at this point. So you you <laughs> That's take the that. Percent. You take that whatever way you want. <laughs> Um, now it contains a theater. It's also got a solarium that's called the Eye of Sirtis, and it's got this large window that looks out over, uh, looks out over the canyon. It's called the Lalai Gorge, and this is supposed to be one of the most beautiful areas in all of Barsave. So I always like to try when I'm making a game, even if it's not directly based in the plot, if there's one of these areas that really lends itself to a really rich description, I try to work it in. You know, Even if you don't give a ton of detail, the players fill that in their imagination. And certain things like that, you kind of end up feeling like you've been there before. Oh, absolutely. And a great example is Vistramon when you talked about the, you know, the tower of the, with the elemental fire. It's like, that was such a, a great detail. It really, it really spoke to me. Um, and that's kind of when I think of that city, that's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. I think little things like that are what can really, really make Earth Dawn come alive for players. Uh, now, there's also the uh, there's a library up near the Shivalahala's quarters. What's what's funny about it, though, this has some ancient books. 
um, of Tuscarang history, but scholars don't find them very valuable at all. Why is that? Because the Tuscarang have their own language that's highly, it's a pictograph language, so it's not very literal. It's it's really difficult to read and to uh, to really discern exactly what they were trying to say. The other thing is with the Tuscarang, they transfer the memories from one Shivalhalla mm-hmm. to the next. So the actual that actual uh, compounding transfer of men- memories actually serves as their history. So the Shivalahala herself is the history of the Tuscarang. And with Sirtis going back way farther than any of the other ones, not just the history of Sirtis, but of the entire Tuscarang race, a lot of that is bound up in the Shivalhala's mind. So this book, these books are more like curiosities. They're there's some information there, it but they've been like, mostly discarded by historians as not being that important. Well, it sounds like the dwarves need to send some scholars to speak to these Shivalahalas. Well, I think even the Tuscarang, uh, even the Tuscarang, don't consider these books terribly valuable. But yeah, there there have been uh, there has been some contact between between Thrall and Sirtis. Now, one of the uh, one of the things that actually happened, King Varulus the Third. Uh, he met with Shivalahala Sirtis in private, and no one knows exactly what happened, but they had a major, major falling out, and Varulus just stormed off angry, and uh, so we don't know exactly what happened, but there was some kind of major incident between the two she of them. She probably insulted Thrall. Well, I'd, it's hard to say because <laughs> she, this actually leads us into, it's possible, it's possible. But this leads us into our spoiler section. Some of that is connected to what we need to say next. So we're just going to say thank you for listening. If you want to hear some backstory on the Shivalahala Sirtis, very cool, interesting stuff. But if you have a game coming up and you're a player and you don't want it ruined for you, or you think your GM's about to use this, um, we're going to tell you to drop off the episode now and we'll catch you next time. We'll wait a couple seconds. Did they leave yet? I think they did. Okay. Okay. That was, I think right there was officially the low point of everything we've ever recorded. (laughs) I didn't do the Jeopardy music though. You were thinking it. I was thinking it. I definitely was. Okay. So welcome to our spoiler section. This is a spoiler section. Um, Now the, uh, okay. So during the scourge, the cliff city was breached by horrors six separate times. And as we mentioned, the Shivalahala transfers uh, transfers the ancestral memories from one generation on to the next, right? Well, each time that the city was breached, they they fought back the horrors. But every single time, the Shivalahala was mortally wounded and just barely was able to transfer the memories on to another one before dying. So it was a very close call of having her totally wiped out and losing that entire history. Now, this part of it would probably be public knowledge, but what what is not widely known outside of House Sirtis is that the last time that this happened, the horror actually corrupted the Shivalahala. Um, it had a couple of different a uh, couple of different things came out of that. She has a warp astral space spell. Now, that's out of the Earth Dawn Companion. Uh, if you want the details. But uh, basically what it does is it makes it harder for anyone else near her to cast spells because it it changes the way astral space works. 
So if you're not familiar with exactly how that warping functions, then it's harder to um, harder to cast spells. It kind of deadens magic. Now, the horror taint actually made that permanent. So any magic within 50 yards um, of the Shivalahala is just totally unpredictable. I could, and it's up to the GM just to have it do whatever, you know, it could either just completely make a spell fizzle. It could be stronger. It could be a totally different effect. It can do whatever you want. Now that's one effect. The other more important effect though, is the, the Shivalahala is starting to lose her mind, but it's not just her. She has passed that on for multiple generations. Oh, wow. So it gets more and more corrupt the more it gets passed on. Uh, so the memories are becoming less reliable, becoming very clouded. Um, now, the other thing that comes out of that is that the one of the effects of passing on these memories is that it tends to magically expand the lifespan of the Shivalahala. That effect is dwindling. The last one only lasted about 10 years or so. Uh, before dying, you know, between receiving so the memories. So that's why they had to do such a young... Uh, I don't know if that was the exact reason, or it could be also that they become more erratic and are making weird decisions. Okay. Um, they originally saw this child, uh, a lot of the... There was some debate in House Sirtis seeing this child who became... And this is, as of first edition, is the current Shivalahala, was this child has now grown up to young adulthood. Um, there was some debate. Some people were seeing this as kind of like a new start. Maybe maybe a younger child would be less susceptible to this corruption that's been, uh, you know, been increasing. And that's why she's been such a recluse. Right. She was becoming unstable right around the time that Sirtis needed her the most. And, um, you know, I just realized, I believe my timeline's a little messed up here. I don't know exactly where I went wrong. But uh, that, okay, what we just talked about with her being reclusive during that debate, that would have been, I believe, a previous one. Um, okay. That would have been shortly after the scourge. I'm sorry. I apologize again. I'm, I'm trying to, this is not my best. <laughs> it was either this or put it off a couple more weeks and we're, we're trying to just keep the podcast going. I should be back to something approaching normal form here by in the next couple of weeks, but we're trying to get enough recorded to be able to to keep getting through. So please bear with us. Uh, hoping to get my voice back and hoping to not have to be on this cough syrup that makes me a little loopy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the current Shivalahala became Shivalahala when she was seven, but didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Right. Now, she did turn out to be a girl, but that led to a lot of a lot of uh, discussions back and sure. forth. Because on the one hand, she seemed a little more sane. But on the other hand, they're like, what if this ends up being a boy? The other thing is when Tuscrang hit adolescence, which would be, I, I think, probably around 10 to 13 area, uh, when they hit adolescence, typically to scrang have very difficult adolescence period anyway so and one who is the shivalahala and has all that pressure on top of that this horror influence she became very very unruly and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff <laughs> um really making people uneasy but two things that really um really stood out as being some of this erratic behavior 
the meeting with Varulis that we already talked about, he just stormed off. No one knows quite what happened, but that's not good. The other one, we'll be talking in the next episode about the Pilgrim's Trail, or I believe it's called the Pilgrim's Path. Basically, if you complete this path, that's a uh, series of Tuscrang, um, uh, like sacred sites. If you complete the entire path, you come back into, it ends at the Cliff City, and you uh, receive a meeting with the Shivalahala. Well, recently, one of these meetings, she just started babbling incoherently, and it wasn't clear what she was talking about, but she was talking about some kind of impending doom. And then after the meeting was over, she refused to speak with anyone else, but sent an urgent message to Omasu, who is the... um, you know, he, we talked about him a little bit before. He's he's mostly based out of Trevar, but he's a, a merchant who has caravans that travel all over the place. She sent a, um, a message to him, and no one knows what the message was. But something in this meeting, she just kind of snapped, and nobody knows what it is. So that's basically the uh, the skinny on the Shivalala Sirtis. She's losing her mind due to horror influence. And that is in addition to... Uh, Sirtis always being in each other's throats at the time where they really need a leader the most, she is losing her mind. And I find that to be out of everything in the Serpent River book. I think that's probably the most compelling character in the most interesting situation. I just realized something. What's that? You're sending us to see her. I am sending you to see her. And you are going to pretend that you don't know any of this because your character doesn't know it. <laughs> I'm shooting him the evil eye. She's pretty cool. You should yeah, want to meet she her. Is, she is pretty cool. Well, how do you know you haven't met her yet? You know, the idea is really neat. That is a really, really cool plot twist. I, I promise we won't play again until I'm off of this cough syrup that makes <laughs> me all weird. So it will be all natural weirdness when we play. <laughs> so the next episode will be our final podcast about the Serpent River. Um, be sure to look out for that. And thank you for sticking with us until the end. We're going to keep trying to keep these things on a weekly basis. But anyway, thanks for spending your time with us. I'm Rachel. I'm Chad. And one one quick side note, the next episode, next week's episode, is one that we were recording right after this one on the same night. I'm going to be more tired and more goofy. So uh, well, we might postpone it. Uh, we might. We'll see. <laughs> see you next time. See you next time.